0: Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers, and creatives of all types. Catch us on iTunes or visit audiogyan.com for more Gyan sessions. Here's your host, Kedar Nimkar.
1: Today, I have Ruchita us on Audio Gyan. She's a founder and principal designer of Kahani Design Works, a design studio based in Mumbai. Trained in exhibition design and scenography, Rushita has worked extensively with corporate organizations and art institutions in India, UK and the Middle East. She brings influences from visual arts, culture and heritage into Kahani's creative approach, setting the studio apart from global Indian design practices. Ruchita is passionate about the power of design to influence the landscape of contemporary India. She's a design writer, a regular speaker, and often invited to teach at design schools across India. Kahani Studio is also a beautiful initiative which discovers and shares the stories that make city unique. First series of Mumbai is out. There's another insightful podcast called Podcast by IBM Network, which discusses the same topic. And uh, we'll try and understand uh, what it takes to design maps or let's say visual guide through one of the case studies, Story City. Uh, Thanks, Ruchita, for giving your time and it's a real pleasure to have you on audio again.
0: Thank you, Kedar. I'm always happy to talk about the city I love so much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I've come up with a few questions and and I want to just understand, uh, mainly document this particular case study uh, in a a form of a case study. So to set the context, if you can start by telling us what practice does Kahani design work uh, exactly do? I mean, what role does research play in your practice uh, for both commission and non-commission and then maybe we will segue into the story city part.
0: So Kahani is a communication design practice. We predominantly do graphic design for web, for print and for brands. We work very extensively with arts and culture organizations, both within Mumbai city and across India. We've also worked internationally. And as a result of our work in the arts and culture space, we found that uh, we need to be aware of the um, cultural activity and the cultural ecology of Mumbai city. As a result of that, we said, hey, you know, we're finding so much interesting information. We know all these places to go to. We speak to people who have these amazing stories about the city, places they've been to, unique incidents that have happened in certain locations. Let's try and put some of this together. And that's sort of the genesis of the Story City idea. Mm -hmm. As designers, my husband, Aditya, who runs the studio with me, we both uh, like to collect visual material, visual ephemera. And uh, we met as students in London when we were both studying design and collected lots and lots and lots of maps of London City. When we came back to Mumbai, we found that there was nothing. Hmm. Uh, This is in 2012. Um, The Mumbai art map had not yet uh, taken off. But if you wanted to know what was happening in the city or you wanted to know about the cultural sites, there was no way that you could go. No website you could visit. No book that would tell you um, anything relevant or important. Hmm. The few books that have been published about Mumbai were out of print or out of date. So, we said, let's see if we can put some of our research together. We interpret this in a visual way. Along the way, I met a friend, Saurav Roy, who was a copywriter. And we were both studying art history at the Bhaudaji Lad Museum a diploma course, which was a one year course back in that time. And again, we started visiting art galleries together. On the pretext of going to an art gallery, we would end up at a heritage site. He would have an interesting story, or he would have read about something in Time Out magazine. And that's how we started having these conversations, sharing our love for the mutual love for the city. Mm -hmm. And so, between Saurav Aditya and I, we came up with the very first publication from Story City called Exploring Mumbai, Story City Mumbai Exploring a City by the Sea. Mm -hmm. And it explores 24 stories that Um, talk about the relationship of Mumbai with the sea. Mm. We live on an island, but we are scarcely aware of the fact that we're surrounded by water on four sides. Mm. At some point in time, you realize that the sea is the only open space that you have Mm. in the city. We have very few parks, very few mandans, and the only open space we have is the sea. At least for now, we have the sea. And so we saw that this is an interesting subject that... We discovered a lot of things about. Um, We didn't know um, how we would do the first book or the first map. We didn't even know what form it would take. But it took the form of a guidebook and a map. And every Story City project has since um, found its own form, found its own format. But it always starts with one question. I didn't know about this and I would like to know more. Hmm. So ever since then we've published maps, we've published illustrated books, we've published free guides that you can download from our website storycity.in but everything starts with this curiosity and this little kernel uh, that comes from having lived in Mumbai for almost 30 years and not knowing something about it.
1: Hmm. And any, just to st- take a step back, any observation that why f- couldn't you find the relevant material or why was it not documented? I mean, I have a later question hmm. that we as culturally are not really print focused or we want to document things. But uh, on this note, especially with Mumbai.
0: I think we have a lot of uh, stereotypes about Mumbai city. And we fall to these stereotypes of it being a very fast placed city, very demanding city. We think of ourselves as being time deficient and attention deficient because the day-to-day survival, you know, going to work or going to school, coming home, running your household. These are such energy intensive activities that you don't really think of um, art, culture, heritage as something that you could fit into your schedule. Mm. And um, I think that's one reason why we are not, or we didn't, or let me, let me be clear. I don't think we used to be so culturally aware. I feel more and more because of social media, because people have access to information more relatively easily now. Um, Because your friends may be going somewhere and Facebook announces that, you know, your so-and-so friend is attending so-and-so event. You think, hey, maybe I can make the time and go to that too. Um, because you have a platform like Insider or Book My Show, for example, this is not a plug, <laughs> um, you can book a ticket, mm. you know, it's as simple as that. Back in the day, if you wanted to go see a show at Nehru Auditorium, you would have to physically, personally go and Probably. book a ticket at the ticket counter. Now you can do it sitting at home and you only have to make that journey when you actually want to go to see the performance. Mm. So I think there is a time and place and uh, the time has come for more Mumbaikers to be more culturally involved.
1: Hmm. Interesting. And um, so one more question, like now that you have made certain maps and certain visual guides, how do you cross verify how to cross check whether because these are certain interpretations after certain observations right but uh, since you mentioned we don't have like a proper documentation which we can refer back to so is it starting from fresh is it just a new interpretation Uh, how factually it is correct how do you go about doing that
0: so we try to get our facts as accurate as possible there is historical documentation for the city and one can go to the go to certain libraries or access certain publications to cross verify certain information so when we're advising that you visit a certain place um and we're telling you you know certain historical information giving you certain historical information about it um we've made every effort to make sure that it's factually correct hmm. but the decision to include a place or to tell you one story out of the 50 stories about that place our ours entirely. That's our decision, and that's where our personal interpretation and our personal um, preferences may come in. Mm. In that sense, map making is both a very personal exercise. Um, it's very subjective. Um, it is also can also be a subversive exercise because we may choose to tell you a story about a place that you may have seen and you think you know, but we might tell you something you didn't know about it. Mm. and sometimes we are trying to, and we do it consciously as well. We are sometimes trying to kind of shift your understanding of that place a little bit to help you see something in a way that you may not have seen it before to um, create a new narrative for that place that may not have existed before. Mm. And that's why, that's why it's a storytelling exercise.
1: Mm. Beautiful. I have a lot of questions around that. So, Uh, to understand the understand the process as well uh, like your focus obviously and the background has been illustration and uh, mainly telling stories through visuals so uh, what are the grounds of picking a story and and how has it evolved I mean uh, where do you start uh, and then at the end of the journey like you pick and choose right as you said it's a subjective exercise so how has that evolved and what are the basic things uh, I mean, one of the things which I'm trying to derive out of this podcast is also how are maps designed, because uh, one spectrum, there are these atlases and maps, which we have in our schools and geography classes and some places, mapsofindia.com. And those are different in style, whereas these are slightly different. So how how does that work?
0: Okay. So we try to appeal to different senses and different sensibilities. Our first rule when we're designing the map visually is it should look beautiful. It should look good enough that you would be proud of putting it on your wall and looking at it as a frame poster. So it has to appeal to people with an eye for, for art and design. It should also appeal to creative people because we're trying to inspire creative people to take inspiration from the city around them. So that's at a visual, at a very surface visual level
1: aesthetic level
0: at a very aesthetic level um when we're talking about sensibility the first person we're designing for is the average mumbaiker we want you to see your own city in a way that you may not have seen it before because we ourselves have seen the city in a way that we haven't seen it before mm. i lived in mumbai till i till my mid 20s before i went abroad for a few years and 95% of what we have published in Story City, I did not know it till the age of 25. I've discovered most of these things in the last eight years that we've been researching and publishing Story City publications. So that is my first consideration when I'm thinking of an audience. The second person is not perhaps not your average tourist, but your average traveler. Somebody that makes an effort to know a place To walk around a place Somebody that doesn't want to do A hop on hop off bus tour Because most of our maps are designed For you to take that journey yourself
1: Through walking or uh, Through
0: walking or through Well the nature map is designed That you can go to most places Through some form of public transport Um, And you decide your itinerary yourself we don't determine what your itinerary could be. We give a suggested order, but you can decide the itinerary yourself. So you could do any one map over a single day, or you could do it over a number of days. The um, third consideration, which has only recently um, been something that we're thinking of, is families. Hmm. And the reason for that is that our maps are extremely popular at museum shops where they retail. And every time a map runs out, we get calls from parents saying, I wanted to take my child on this walk this weekend and your map has sold out. Can I come and buy it from you at the studio? Mm-hmm. It's a very common occurrence during holiday season. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do think of um, places that families could go together. I'm not; It's not very high on our agenda, but it is definitely a consideration for mm-hmm. us. Now... How this all comes together, as I said, we have a key editorial idea. So our building Bombay map, for example, is about the building of Bombay city. Mm. It is, of course, about the architecture of 19th and early 20th century architecture of Mumbai. But it is also about how the city came to be, how the city expanded in the 1860s, 70s, how it grew, how it became this ambitious port city from being a small fortress town to becoming this ambitious port city that eventually became Herb's pre-mine Indus, which is the first city in the East. Mm-hmm. Similarly, um, our Bombay Deco um, book, which is a completely different format, it's called Bombay Deco, Hidden in Plain Sight. And it's about looking at places that you would have seen before. You've most certainly walked past them. But you've never observed them or recognized the fact that they are art deco architecture. In my personal opinion, Mumbai has the most number of art deco architecture buildings in the world. Oh,
1: okay.
0: Officially, everybody still says it's second to Miami. I think it's, we've surpassed, once we've started counting, we've surpassed Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't recognize it as an art deco capital of the world.
1: And, and this is just in South Bombay or across?
0: Across. You'll see art deco architecture in Juhu, in Patla, in Chimbur. You'll see influences of art deco, art deco architecture in mid-20th century buildings in Kalyan. Yeah, and I, it's I, only when architects have started documenting these that in the last, say, 10 to 15 years that the style of architecture has really come to be recognized. Yeah. So, this so each project leads to its own um you know follow up project so we started working on building bombay and became int- we were introduced to art deco architecture then we worked on bombay deco hidden in plain sight which is a pure visual illustrated book about deco now our next publication which releases in february 2020 is a walking map of deco which we call Deco by the Bay, is a walking map around South Mumbai. Mm. So the genesis, if you ask me, where did these come from? These came from the first project that we did, which was City by the Sea, where we looked at the influence of maritime styles and maritime architecture in Mumbai's architecture and in Mumbai's Art Deco building specifically. So they're all connected. They're all telling you the same story in many, many different ways. Mm. So it's sort of like gaining um, different perspective with each publication. and it's the same for us. Mm. We didn't know when we did the first one that we would be doing something only on Art Deco architecture in 2020.
1: Mm-hmm. From what I gather is that maybe it's like data mining because there's all data lying around. Yeah. you're trying to actually <laughs> make information out of it and and the more information you're trying to assimilate, there are more threads which I was, yeah. right, which are coming out, and
0: absolutely, then, yeah. absolutely.
1: Um. So now, actually, I'll, I'll. It's a. I don't know whether it's a more like a tactical question, but wanted to understand, like I, like from my experience, a person sitting and designing a map or has never been like a personal experience. The most recent one is the abstract documentary where Paul Usher is painting uh, her map, right? So, I wanted to understand what goes into making a local map. I mean, obviously, there's walk, research, uh, uh, obviously, research on architecture as well. But uh, how long this process can be? How how do you decide when to stop? Or uh, what qualifies to be even on the map? I mean, apart from subjective experience, uh, subjective opinions, there would be certain... Key elements, right? This again like nana chalk has to be there hmm. if you're designing that hmm. area. Hmm. So do you still take that bold call of nay we'll will not put this obviously the the physical structure or the small symbolic element will be there, but we won't annotate it. So any any
0: uh, So it tends to be a very organic process. The visual design tends to be a very organic process, but in certain in many cases we know that we want to feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. So on nature's trail in Mumbai, because it is about looking for nature in the city, we knew we wanted it to feel lush and green. And we wanted it to feel like it's not Mumbai. We don't think of Mumbai as a green city Mm -hmm. or as a place that you can have nature experiences. So we wanted to turn that idea on its head and show you that you can have this very abundant experience if you know where to go. So... That's where the visual aesthetic of the nature map comes from on nature's trail in Mumbai. Mm -hmm. Sorry to
1: interrupt, but so now if you are aesthetically thinking of something like a greenish map, then you start looking for that data points or in your research over a period of long uh, time, you've identified, yes, there's there's sort of a green pattern to the city as well. And then it, it is retrofitted into it.
0: So with the nature map specifically... We started finding out unusual things about... Like, did you know that we have a state flower in Maharashtra? It's a jarul flower. Okay. Um, we started discovering certain kinds of flowers, certain kinds of birds, certain kinds of butterflies. We went to the Butterfly Park in Thane um, at Olikarwadi, Karwadi. And we were completely amazed at uh, things we'd never seen before. You know, like, look at the butterflies waking up and drying their feathers in the sun on a random January morning. Um, So we start collecting these visual experiences for the nature map. And then they eventually found their way into the illustration for the map. Now, because it was a map about nature, we were also very conscious that we wanted to explore a new print technique that would be as clean as possible, in a sense. So we screen printed, we had the map screen printed. We worked very closely with our screen printers to print the map on a completely eco-friendly paper, which is made from cotton waste, which doesn't involve child labor in its manufacture. And we printed exactly the number that we knew we wanted to print. So there's minimal wastage in the whole process. Similarly, when we're working on the Deco by the May map, we knew we wanted it to feel glamorous, but we wanted the colors to be inspired by the city so, we didn't go, you know, when you think of art deco, people typically think of this very Gatsby vibe of black and gold.
1: Theobroma. Is that?
0: Theobroma is, yeah, in, oh. a, in a way. Mm-hmm. So, our colors for deco by the Bay are inspired by the colors of deco buildings. So, mm-hmm. you know, these pastel pistas and oh, pale teals and pinks and yellows. So The map, map colors are inspired by the buildings. So, of course, we have... These are our associations. Sometimes as designers, they're they are subjective. They're based on some objectivity, some some research somewhere. But they are a subjective choice. Um, when it comes to uh, where do you stop or how do you hmm. include something or exclude something, we would I would say about 80% of the map is sort of like a must-see or a must-do. And it's like, so say 25, out of 25 buildings on Deco, by the way, 20 buildings are well-known and all deco enthusiasts in the city will tell you, you sh- yes, these belong here. But five of the buildings are our own personal twist. There's something that appealed to us, mm. may not make it to uh, the top 25 architect, you know, our deco architecture examples in Mumbai. But we found something interesting there. So we've included them. Mm. So there is a balance. I can't say that it's always a consistent balance. Mm. But that's where the personal comes into the map. We are trying to give you our experience of the city. Hmm. And I would hope that after six years of publishing, you trust us to do that to some degree. Mm
1: -hmm. And and how long this process can be?
0: Each publication takes a year.
1: Okay, a year.
0: But because it's a passion project at the studio, we do it in our spare time. Uh, we do our research on Saturdays and Sundays, and we try to go out when no one else is out and about in the city. Mm. Um, it takes its own time the writing process the the editorial process, the design process we've been you know the production process of getting it just right mm. everything takes time and because we publish ourselves, we distribute the maps ourselves. We are we are always very tight on our budgets, mm-hmm. so we know we we want to make a really beautiful map, but it has to be within a certain budget. Mm. So it's it's a constant learning process. But again, we are known for being uh, publication designers, so our experience on commission projects finds its way into Story City, and likewise, we learn things on Story City that you know our clients. We've actually had a lot of people come to us and say. I have this map that you've done or I have this Story City book that you've done and I want this finish in this book that I'm doing
1: mm-hmm. or I
0: want this style of illustration in this other map that I want to commission. Mm-hmm. So it works out. It's it's a cross-learning for us mm-hmm. and because Story City is always a visual proje- project for us, our Instagram account, we have projects which we only publish on Instagram. We don't publish them in print. It's a fun project, mm-hmm. you know. Like anyone's a little too fried out of a commission project. <laughs> Take an hour out, do something different on Story City. You know, complete it, come back fresh, and work on the project that you were doing before you left off. Mm-hmm. So it it um, it's rewarding in that sense. It's a yeah. passion project that keeps us energized.
1: Yeah, yeah. Same with me for audio game actually. <laughs> uh, and and uh, you also have learned uh academically scenography how is it pronounced? yes scenography yes yeah, yeah. so uh, the that has helped in the overall process or what is so, that even i i don't know so
0: so scenography um comes from the french uh where it means to design the scene hmm. typically a scene for a performance Oh, okay. And uh, so I've trained in exhibition design and in performance design. And you kind of combine the two things and it becomes scenography. Mm -hmm. And it's basically the, the design of physical, spatial experiences. So I experienced the city as a scenographer. I experience the city as a performance that is unfolding, as a piece of theater that is unfolding. That's my, that's how I perceive the city and how I kind of like look at different elements. Oh, this is how the light is falling. This is the play of objects. This is a mass. This is these are the voids. This is how someone is approaching this building, Mm -hmm. and that finds its way into the way I write the map or the way I commission the writing for the map, because I'm I'm constantly trying to. Give you uh, a sensorial experience of approaching a particular site or making a journey to a particular place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't say that Story City is necessarily a scenographic experience, unless you take Bombay Deco Hidden in Plain Sight, because because we're illustrating the city, we're taking certain decisions as uh, visual editors. Mm-hmm. So that is a scenographic experience, but for our maps, it finds its way into the writing.
1: Interesting. It's it's very fascinating. Uh, so one point which I mentioned earlier, uh, we as culture are proud of our past, or yeah, you you have that feeling.
0: We are proud of our distant past.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, but very less effort has been done to archive or document it. So any any. So what's your response to that with respect to? Geographical locations. I mean, um, I, I can't recollect exactly, but the first time when I saw you here was at oddly enough, and it was you saying that we have this heritage, but uh, sometimes it gets demolished without even nobody noticing it. So, what, what, like, what are your observations with respect to that, especially with Bombay, Mumbai?
0: <laughs> Bombay, Mumbai depends how long you've lived here. You'll say yeah. Bombay or Mumbai. Yeah. Um. I think we,
1: again, right, that, it comes that,
0: that. down, in a, in a way it comes down to whether we think of ourselves as culturally aware people and what we think of as culture. When, um, when I was first starting out with Kahani, I said, you know, we work with, we're, I'm interested in working in culture. And so what is culture? Culture is all around us. Culture is our festivals. Culture is our religion. Culture is what you're wearing. Yes, it is all of those things. But culture is also an expression of human creativity, ingenuity, skill and accomplishment. And in order to experience that aspect of culture, you have to look to the arts. You have to look to literature, theater, architecture, design, craft. You have to look to these expressions Mm. to accomplish the best of what humans are capable of what a people are capable of. So culture is not just, you know, the fact that we're recording this on Makar Sankranti and you're eating tilgul raddus when you go home and you're wearing certain color of clothes. It's not just that. Mm -hmm. So that is one idea. How do we understand culture? And um, that is something that we are working with cultural organizations at Kahani to bring that other experience of culture to, the, to prominence, mm-hmm. and to make it accessible and available to broader audiences. Mm. So, for example, when we work with museums, sometimes we insist that, you know, we must have all the information available in English, Hindi, and Marathi. We must reach more people. This is not highbrow. This is A museum exhibition is not just for English-speaking people. It is for people of all backgrounds, all languages, all capabilities, all region, religions, all communities. Hmm. So that is one aspect of it, of what is culture and how do we experience culture. Once we are comfortable with the fact that all of this is culture, that art and craft and design and architecture are also culture, they're also an expression of us as a people, as a nation, perhaps as a community, perhaps. I think that's when we will be proud of it and want to document it and want to preserve it. Wow. Mm-hmm. We we unless we take pride in it, we're not going to document it. Mm. Um, to me, it's very in. It's very Indian that we have Art Deco expressions—a very local form of Art Deco architecture in Mumbai city, uh, because we've adapted it to our own needs, our own um, unique ways of living, mm-hmm. or architects had adapted it to our own unique ways of living. When we are faced with this question of documentation, no, we are we don't um, yeah. we are not driven to documenting in writing or as publication, mm. and somewhere maybe that's okay. I mean, our uh, the the culture of the subcontinent is many thousands of years old and it has survived on oral traditions, yeah. but the fact that we are now living in a visual age where we consume every kind of information, every kind of news, even a recipe of how to make that tilgul Radu. <laughs> you look at it on YouTube. We must at least start documenting visually. Mm. You need the verbal, you need language to make sense of what you're seeing. But at least we should start documenting it visually. <laughs> so that's what we do on Instagram. We have very short descriptions very visual posts, very short descriptions. But we are trying to kind of find this in-between gap where sometimes we find we don't have the vocabulary to explain what we're looking at. We know it's important, we know it's significant. But we don't have the vocabulary because we're not trained as historians to do this work. That also gives us permission to, yeah. to interpret it in our own way, hmm. which it which should be done. I don't think it's only for the architects or the historians or the conservationists to talk about the built heritage of Mumbai. Hmm. I think it's something that any Mumbaiker should be able to do.
1: Hmm. I think it's it's very profound. I, I if I wish I could have recollected the entire episode I did with Anupama Hoskare, who's a puppeteer and uh, she she lives in Bangalore. And uh, I asked a similar question because she said a lot of great puppets uh, are there in uh, Berlin and Belgium. And she went there and she asked people, like, where are these from? And like, yeah, we got it from India like 100, 200 years ago. So I was asking her, like, is museumification an Indian concept or not? And uh, so she said, we are actually living museums So. It expresses the same <laughs> thought in a different perspective altogether. Maybe I'll go back and listen to that and then join dots.
0: See, a small... Um, a, a one way in which I understand it is that when you... And I'm not saying this is true uniformly, but uh, when you grow up in Europe or you even today, if you go visit a museum, you visit the Louvre, you visit the Musée d'Orsay in Paris, you will see children as young as four and five come, being brought into the museum as part of school trips. You know, class will sit down in a gallery and the teacher will talk about it. A curator will talk about it. It's part of your education. It's part of your cultural upbringing. It's part of, it's ingrained in your psyche Mm. that as a Parisian, as a French citizen, I should know something about art. Mm. Right. And so it becomes a lifelong connection. Uh, to the city, it becomes a lifelong way of understanding um, the world around you. Mm. We don't have that experience here. I think mo- slowly in Mumbai, we are, we do have these, um, these few very dedicated professionals who are exposing children to an arts education and parents who are interested in giving their children an arts education. And I think the next generation will feel a lot more attached to Uh, culture and heritage then then maybe we do. Mm. So I think it's also a difference in where your touch points are and at what age you're exposed to uh, culture. At what age you realize this is important and this is at what age you realize this is part of your identity.
1: Unfortunately, I was very exposed very late but uh, um, I think I'll conclude with uh, this last question. So what and I also remember you saying uh, at this oddly enough that uh, you would like other people to start in their own cities, Faranasi or Kochi. These are like, again, historical places. So what can be a good start for individuals or groups to start investing in uh, documenting their individual cities in visual or illustration formats? And start
0: where- anywhere. <laughs> start anywhere and publish. Hmm. Start anywhere and share, I think. That's really important because when you start sharing it with people, you form a community. You form people who will come up to you and say, Hey, did you know this about that place? Did you know my grandmother lived there? Or, oh, you know, I used to go to this cafe and we used to eat pao, ban maska pao in this way with this kind of, you know, raspberry soda. These are, this is how you build um, a community. And I think it's very important for there to be a community. When it comes to storytelling, I have learned the hard way after a great deal of self-doubt that it doesn't matter how experienced you are or how many papers you've written or how many history books you've read. If you love the story and you live the story, you'll be able to tell the story. It's that simple. Mm. It's that hard and that (laughs)
1: simple. Wow. But is there any... any so, you can start with your just immediate colony, which is like two bungalows, yeah. five bungalows. That's yeah. It.
0: What if you had to make a map of the of your neighborhood? Mm. So, I'll give you an example how I started my f- the first map I ever made. I was uh, in the third standard. I studied at Bombay Scottish School. And the teachers had to take us for an outing. You know, we did one outing or a picnic every year. Our very brave teachers... Decided to take all of us on a walk around Mahim. So, we started at Bombay Scottish. We walked through, past the Darga, around to uh, St. Michael's Church and walked back to school. And along the way, teachers were explained, were showing things to us and telling us about different things. We got back to class and they said, okay, now make a map of what you've seen. I don't know why they thought a 7 or 8 year old could make a map. Of what they had seen. Because I don't think we were looking at maps at that age. But I made a map. And the teachers thought it was a really good map. And they asked me to go and show it to all the other classes. In in our standard and said, "Go See this map. But that got me hooked to making maps. Now that was a neighborhood. And I think it's important. Because I've been trying to think of. Where my map making comes from. When... A couple of months later, was December uh, 1992, the Babri Masjid demolitions happened. That entire area that we had walked through was suddenly being called Chhota, Pakistan. And I don't think any class after us was ever encouraged to walk through that area. So that map became my only understanding of that place. And every time I, you know, went past in the bus, or drove past it. I always remembered those places that I had seen because I had drawn them mm. in that map. And so my associations and my relationship with that place were very different from Chota, Pakistan. So that's why that's why I think map making is also important because it allows you to understand your place that you live in in your own way, in a way that nobody else can change or influence. So you can start with a map of your neighborhood, of your housing colony. I know people that have just done a map of their neighborhood in Chembur and discovered so many Art Deco Bungalows in Chembur. You know. And when you see something that you've never seen before, there's no it's not about being productive, right? It's not about doing something that others will notice. You take joy in it. Mm-hmm. It's a kira. You enjoy it, it gives you a little moment of pleasure. What more do you want? Mm-hmm.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, I think we'll we'll end on this note because uh, I am run out of questions, and I'll think more and probably get you again <laughs> on audio again. Uh, if people have to follow your work, um, download these maps. Uh, where do they connect? How? So
0: you can follow us on Instagram at Story City India. Visit our website storycityindia.in. You can follow our work at Kahani on Kahani at Kahani Design Works on Instagram or kahani designworks.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, maps are all our publications are available at Bhavdaljil Art Museum Shop, Filter in Kalagoda uh, the C S M V S Museum Shop, or you can also buy them on joinpaperplanes Yeah, cool.
1: Uh yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. It Thank was you so really much, an, an Enriching experience for me as well. Thank you. Thank you. That's it.
0: And that's it from today's Gyan Session. Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher or any podcasting app you use. Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on audiogyan.com. Till then, bye.